The podcast title today is Poverty Reduction in Africa, What Works and What Doesn't. As African scholars, question on how to enhance economic development and thus reduce poverty in Africa has always raised our attention since the continent is the richest in terms of natural resources. Everyone knows that Africa is well known for its natural resources. Africa benefits from land, water, oil, natural gas, minerals, forests, and and wildlife. The United Environmental Program, UNEP, argued that the continent holds a huge proportion of the world's natural resources, both renewable and non-renewable. Apart from this precious advantage, um, we think Africa can count on its human capital since the average number of university degrees and more generally the education level is increasing more and more. In this podcast, we are going to discuss how the African continent can came out of poverty and increase the human development index through remittances, financial development and natural resources. Well, I'm saying we because uh, we are actually a team that is constituted by Tendai, who is a senior lecturer of finance and investment from Zimbabwe. Then we have also with us Aliu, who is a senior lecturer in economics and dean of faculty from Sierra Leone, and myself, Emira, an assistant professor of economics and quantitative methods from Tunisia. In doing so, our reference article fills the gap in the literatures on three aspects. Firstly, the author uses uh, the Human Development Index, HDI, as a proxy for measuring poverty. Compared to GDP per capita measure, this index has the advantage of taking into account human development uh, indicators such as revenue, health, and education. Secondly, the impact of remittances, financial development, and natural resources on poverty is simultaneously assessed since the three factors can coexist at the same time. So, whereas previous research is questioning the individual impact of each of the three variables, uh, here in our analysis, we are going to try to understand the mechanisms behind the interaction between the variables and their impact on poverty. More specifically, myself, Tendai, and Aliu are going to discuss how remittances, financial development, natural resources, and their interactions will reduce poverty in Africa and eventually eliminate it by considering the right policies. Aliu is now going to take us into the first two issues under discussion, which are in relation to remittances. Uh, myself, Emira, is then going to discuss the part related to financial development and institutional requirements. And finally, Tandai is going to take the floor to emphasize the point on the better use of natural resources. Okay, so Aliu, before you start talking about the effect of remittances on reducing poverty in Africa, uh, could you please explain to the audience, what do we mean really by remittances? Thank you, Amira, for this question. Well, actually, in brief, the fundamental understanding of the word remittance refers to money that is sent or transferred to another party, usually within the same country or overseas. Remittances can be sent via a wire transfer, electronic payment system, mail, draft, or check. 
Okay, thank you, Aliou, for this definition. So now, do you think they are effective in turning around the lives of people in Africa? Thanks again, Amira. In Africa, remittances are an effective stimulant for poverty alleviation in turning around the lives of people. The African people have been fraught with perennial and peculiar difficulties and challenges in sustaining their human livelihoods, particularly the poor individual households and communities, for a better standard of living and improve economic empowerment. Remittances are part of a private welfare system that transfers purchasing power from relatively richer to relatively poorer, poorer members of a family or community. They reduce poverty, smooth consumption, affect labor supply, provide working capital, and have multiplier effects through increased household spending. It is prudent to also note that remittances seems to be used to finance consumption or investment in human capital, short as better material education, and health. For instance, in a journal article authored by Kwati and Blanks in 2004, it was found that migrant remittance to Ghana are in fact counter-cyclical and are effective in helping smooth household consumption and welfare over time, especially for food crop farmers who are typically the most disadvantaged socioeconomic group. Madam moderator and listener, another literature, Adams 2006, finds that international remittances significantly relieved poverty among the poorest of the poor households. Madam moderator and listener, it is worthy to also note that remittances to Africa were counter-cyclical only in the 80s and post-cyclical in the 90s, though less so than either official aid or export earnings. Remittances to Africa, especially Sub-Saharan Africa, are not just consistently less volatile than official aid. They are also less volatile than FDI, which is usually seen as the most stable private flow. Finally, Madam Moderator and listeners, I have the strong conviction that for remittances to effectively improve the welfare of the lives of African people, recipients of the remittances must have access to wider credit service delivery provided by the financial sector. This will help them complement their monies received to profitably invest them and help improve the welfare and economic empowerment of individual households and communities. Well, thank you very much, Aliou, for such a detailed analysis and response. Uh, now, what do you think are the factors that can make remittances effective in uplifting people's lives? Thanks very much, Amira. The factors are as follows. We have financial inclusion, currently fostering investment channels, thirdly, making domestic labor attractive to discourage brain pain. Fourthly, cut down on the cost of remittances by former financial institutions. Then, fifth, financial market expansion. And finally, staff competency and integrity is very key to enhance effective and efficient remittances in Africa. This is my candid opinion, Amira. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aliu. You're welcome. Thank you once again, uh, uh, Aliu. Amira is going to take us further into our discussion. Over to you, Amira. Uh, how does financial development assist in improving the status quo of uh, Africans? Thank you for this question, Tendai. So actually, uh, based on literature, the effect of financial development on poverty reduction is ambiguous. In fact, some papers found that um, there is a positive impact of the development of the financial system on increasing well-being in reducing poverty, and some other research found literally no impact. First of all, I want to define what we mean by financial development. So financial development includes facts like the cost of obtaining credits from the financial institutions, uh, the loan requirements in terms of collateral management, 
of the credit, uh, the procedures to open and manage saving accounts, as well as the motivation of the financial institutions behind providing loans and credit. So based on that, um, we can say that there are some inequalities concerning the development of the financial system in Africa. And in line with previous research, um, such as, for example, Greenwood and Janavik, 1990, uh, Haber and his co-author, 2003, Galler and Ziera, 1993, we can say that the development of the financial sector through the credit channel may benefit the rich rather than the poor because of the high cost associated with acquiring credit. It has been found that these financial market imperfections may be particularly binding on poor entrepreneurs entrepreneurs because they lack such requirements like collateral, credit histories, and in some cases, they lack also connections. According to this literature, these credit constraints lead to inefficient capital allocation and further income inequality. Thank you, Amira. Now that we know the importance of financial development, do you think that there's any need for strengthening strengthening institutions so that the connection between remittances and financial development bears fruits? Very good question. Thank you, Tendai. Um, First, I want to point out that the connection between remittances and financial development is important. In fact, this is through remittances that households can access financial services. For example, by sending back money from the destination country to the home country, the migrant person and his or her family have to access, for example, saving services provided by financial institutions. Then, in the same line as some previous research, such as Holden and Propenco 2001, can state that the development of financial services can only be effective in reducing poverty when financial instruments and equipments are available and also financial institutions are easy to access for the poor household. Okay. Our discussions are becoming more and more interesting. Uh, I'm now going to give the floor to Tendai to give us further introspections on the subject under discussion. Um, Tendai, I really feel curious to know more about the natural resources. And um, do you think that we could uh, consider natural resources in Africa as a course or rather a blessing. Thank you so much, uh, Amira. Uh, yes, uh, there are many factors in, uh, that uh, point to the fact that uh, natural resources in Africa uh, seem to be uh, uh, like a case rather than a blessing. We have got uh, so many natural resources like minerals, oil, gas, forest, etc. There's a coterie of issues that we can discuss under this uh, talking point. First, there's the issue of beneficiation. Uh, the continent has not benefited a lot from its natural resources and domains. Most of the resources like minerals and forests have been taken out in their raw form without any beneficiation by foreign companies. Also, there's the issue of infrastructure development. Uh, many companies have not bothered to develop roads and other infrastructure for benefit of African countries. Then we have also the issue of raw materials and the other accessories. In some cases, all the materials that are needed for production comes from these countries and nothing is produced locally or bought locally. Then we have also the issue of transfer pricing. Uh, the African continent has also suffered from transfer pricing, whereby minerals being, uh, are being valued lowly in countries of origin than the price they are sold in the international market. Then we've got also is externalization of resources. Uh, it has been noted that there's a lot of externalization of most of the money that should have uh, come back into the African countries upon selling minerals in foreign uh, countries. Then we have also have taxation issues. In most cases, the mining companies do not pay tax as they take advantage of certain laws that give them tax holidays based on assessed loss. So, so we have also the issue of uh, uh, 
political disturbances uh, that are happening in Africa. Most civil wars and coup d'etats in Africa are alleged to be sponsored by former colonial masters so that there are disturbances which culminate in the looting of its resources. The Great Lakes region, DRC and other surrounding countries has never known peace because of its vast mineral resources. So what should be done in order to manage our resources? Uh, we have found out that you know, North, North Africa is better at managing its resources for the benefit of its people. Sub-Saharan Africa is the one that is adversely affected and it can learn a lot from its North African brothers until the African government endeavor to make sure that the resources benefit the Africans and come up with policies to safeguard that the resources will continue to be a curse rather than a blessing. In other words, the Africans will wish the resources were never there as they have brought a lot of troubles and suffering. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Tandai, for such a detailed introspection. Uh, in your opinion, which institution uh, do you think should be stretched so that natural resources benefit Africans? Uh, you know what, Amina? I think the three arms of uh, government, which are the legislature, executive, and judiciary, should work hand in glove to make sure uh, our resources are very strong. First, the legislature, which is the arm of government responsible for making laws, should come up with the tight and waterproof laws to safeguard the resources of African countries. Thus, the parliamentarians should be level-headed and not be uh, benchwarmers only. Some of the laws that should be considered are the supreme law of the land, which is the constitution, indigenous assessing laws, mineral exploration laws, uh, tax laws, beneficiation laws, uh, labor laws, use of local factors of production, uh, that is capital labor equipment and accessories, uh, deterrent laws, and uh, policy consistencies, because we've been suffering from a loss of policy inconsistency. Then also we've got our judiciary. The judiciary should also be prosecuting and sentencing without fear or favor of those that breach laws. The average uh, cliche should be, no one is above the law. Then we have the executive. The executive, uh, which is the president or prime minister, or also known as the presidium, should not interfere with the operations of the legislature as well as the judiciary. Many times the office of the president or those in power has been found meddling in the affairs of the two arms of government resulting in many accused going scot-free. This promotes corruption as everyone will also want to replicate the phenomenon. Therefore, those who have power should not be found to be abusing it. So, in summary, as it relates to institutions, Amira, we are saying there should be checks and balances to make sure that those in authority don't abuse the power that they have. It should also be very difficult for the presidium or any other authority to abuse authority. Only if this is implemented would it be good for Africa, that is sub-Saharan Africa and North Africa. These are uh, my thoughts on the subject, Amira. Okay, Tendai, can you please summarize what we discussed about? Thank you, Amira. Let me summarize some of the important points we have, we have covered. We had great discussion concerning how Africa can come out of extreme poverty. The general consensus is that remittances can improve people's lives. However, they are most effective if the financial system is also working properly as they can offer credit for more investment to those who would have received remittances. Our natural resources are in abundance and they should assist us in a great way. The missing link is our institutions, which are weak as they don't protect our natural resources for the African people. It was, however, observed that North Africa manages its resources better than Sub-Saharan Africa. The idea situations that all the institutions become very strong so that Africans benefit from their natural endowments. Thank you, Amira and Ali. We had a very fruitful discussion. We would also want to thank our audience uh, for listening. If you have any points to, add to our discussion, please feel free to put your comments on the site that will be hosting our podcast. Have a great day. We'll meet again in the next episodes.